Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bins podcast. This is episode three. A little bit of housekeeping here just to start us off. Um, unfortunately, Connor Dorman couldn't make it today, um, but we are joined by a very special guest presenter, our housemate, Owen. How are things, Owen? Yeah, not too bad, Connor. Uh, so, as Connor said, I'm Owen and I'm a Celtic fan, so you should get a wee break from the United Vices this week. Which people are probably happy about. I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. Um, look, First real, first real hiccup that we've had here with the podcast, folks, is unfortunately we are not going to be able to record um video for the for podcast. the time being for for the time being yeah. at least. Um, unfortunately, just with with time constrictions and with lack of equipment, really, it's yeah. it's becoming a, a bit of a hassle. But on the plus side, we are now available on Spotify. So if you have been a YouTube watcher and you've been been watching the last episodes on YouTube, head on over to the Spotify, give us a follow. And you can of course then get your get your podcast there on Spotify. Yeah. But once again, look, thank you for the support. We're overwhelmed with the the amount of people that we've managed to reach already yeah, in the last couple of weeks. I think we're we're up over sort of 300, 300 players over yeah. the last over the last two weeks. Yeah, so. we, we had uh, we had two hundred and sixty something on the first one on YouTube alone, and then on the second one between Spotify and YouTube, we had another hundred and something. So yeah, we're. We're nearly hitting four hundred, which is incredible. It's it's crazy. It's crazy to think, like you know, because we we, we did only start this a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. we're just immensely proud, and where we once again we just thank everybody for for all the support that's been thrown our way. So, we'll get into the episode. The first thing to talk about, and we can't not talk about it because it just is the biggest football news at the minute. Yeah. Broke last night, very late on on Twitter. Cristiano Ronaldo has said that he is betrayed by Manchester United mm-hmm. in his one-on-one interview with Pierce Morgan that's set to release on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Lads, obviously, Owen, you're looking at this, you're not a Man United fan. What's your perspective and what's your take on, on Cristiano Ronaldo? Well, I always, I always love Ronaldo. Like He's always been up there as one of my favourite players. Yeah. I always thought he was the best of all time. Mm-hmm. But stuff like this is just unnecessary. In the middle, in the middle of the season... A poor season by his standards. Mm-hmm. Like he's not scoring. He's three goals all season, and two of them's in the Europa League against Sheriff. Like it's for a player of Cristiano Ronaldo's caliber. Yes, people say he's went downhill since he left Real, but and he's still good at Juventus. But he still scored eighteen league goals for United last year. Did, yeah. yeah, like eighteen Premier League goals is nothing to be scoffed at. No, it's in not. an awful Man United team. A very poor team. Like who who was servicing Ronaldo that year? Yeah, they got a new manager in. It was looking good, but. All season, it's just been instant after instant out of Ronaldo. He doesn't want to be there. He wanted away. He didn't get away. Now, you thought maybe, okay, he put his head down now and work. Yeah. But he didn't. He's been yapping. He was asked to come on. He walked down the tunnel. Like, that's not befitting of a professional football player. Never mind somebody Cristiano Ronaldo's standards. Well, that's the word, professional. We talked about it last week. And we got quite hated with it last week. Well, you and Connor did anyway. Is he being... Professional is he being the ultimate professional as he was described as well? No, he's not. He simply isn't. He's brought in to do a job. He's he's a footballer for Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in world footballer, and he's not doing it. Mm-hmm. He's simply not doing it. Like, and you have to think he's a role model to millions and millions of kids across the world. Um, well, Man United released a statement. Uh, they said the club will consider response to Ronaldo's interview after the full facts have been established. Uh, and they iterated that their focus remains on preparing for the second half of the season and continuing their momentum, belief, togetherness being built among players, manager, staff and fans. I think that's a shot. 
togetherness. I think that word is a shot. I'm glad to see it from a United perspective. I think, and I'm sure I'm sure you agree, Connor. He's out of order, and he should never ever play for Manchester United again. Yeah, well, look, I mean, once again, we touched on this last week. Uh, after after everything that happened in the summer, I didn't want them pulling the shirt on again. I just thought the trust is broken now at this stage and I couldn't really understand how he was going to work a way back into the team and as Owen rightly pointed out it has been incident after incident we had the what I would say the lack of respect for Ten Hag Mm -hmm. during the friendly against Rayo Vallecano when Ten Hag was giving him orders and he was just "Mm, whatever whatever who who are you to tell me what to do Uh, then obviously we had the incident refusing to come on the constant moaning and yapping because he's been sitting on the bench mm-hmm. no like you've been sitting on the bench because it, the cold hard reality of it is you're not manchester united's best out and out striker yeah you're not good enough anymore you, you're not you're like okay fair enough you there is a level for ronaldo still to play yeah. at i don't believe it's in the premier league yeah i believe it's elsewhere mm-hmm. i could see him going back to italy i could see him going back or, or maybe tr- maybe try in germany something along them lines yeah. but at, at the highest level in the in the in the premier league i just don't think that's where ronaldo's at anymore. as a united fan do you think he's tarnished his legacy it's so look it's so difficult to say it really really is obviously it's raw at the minute yeah. it only happened We're last hurting. night and i'm ripping yeah i'm really really angry but at the same time, I'm not going to discount all the great memories and all the great things that he's done for the football club. Yeah, it, it's just so hard to say, lad. I'm just so torn at the minute. Like I'm, I'm honestly last night I was fuming. I mm-hmm. was absolutely fuming. I was going to go upstairs. I was going to rip my Ronaldo jersey. <laughs> too. <laughs> I was ripping, but. I've sort of taken a wee bit of a back step today and I've let things play out over social media. Well, you've still got them as your, as your screensaver on your laptop. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do, to be fair. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't sit here and criticise too much. <laughs> but, um, no, look, it, it, it's annoying. I've seen as well today on social media there is speculation is he's going to be fined a million yeah. by United. That's two weeks' wages. That's, yeah, yeah, which <laughs> it's is, nothing to which Ronaldo. Is nothing to Ronaldo, really, when you think about it. But I don't think he pulls the shirt on again. I think that's Ronaldo and Manchester United finished. Where's he go from now? Does he go back to Sporting? I know he said Germany, but who wants him? It's all about who can afford him, lad. Well, that's it too, but... Who's willing to take a risk on a player whose attitude's like that at the moment? And it's, exactly. it's crazy that we're even saying Cristiano Ronaldo is a risk signing. Mm-hmm. Arguably the best player of all time, and he's a risk signing for every club in the world. But if this was five years ago, it's not a risk. Yes. The problem is he's now 37, he's soon to be 38. Yeah. You're not going to get many years out of him. And this is the thing, I think this season has shown... That he's not capable of playing at the top level anymore. Well, do you think it's a performance risk then, or a professionalism risk? I think there's both. I think it calls both into question. Mm. Um, Performance-wise, I don't think you get the same Ronaldo anymore. Look, how many times did we say it last season to one another, where we actually thought Ronaldo was hindering the performance of the team, as opposed to helping the team yeah. and kick us off even when he was scoring it, goals even when he was this, scoring yeah. goals exactly look and then you know you get ex-pros coming out and saying oh the man scored 24 goals last season how can you drop him like especially the likes of Roy Keane yeah. who I just can't listen to to be honest yeah. it, okay fair enough he scored 24 individual goals for himself did they help the team no where did we finish in the league last year 6th 7th mm-hmm. I, I don't even know where we finished but we were terrible Yeah. did that kick us on any did those 24 goals really help us mm-hmm. no I actually argue Fernando hadn't been part of the team last year. I think we might have done a bit better than, than where we actually yeah. finished up. 
Well, my opinion last week was that Ronaldo should be sold in January, given we got a replacement. Now I just want him out, but I, I just think... I, I did think Ronaldo could have stayed at Man United for the, until the end of the season, but after he said that he doesn't respect Ten Hag because Ten Hag doesn't respect him... I can't see that being true. No, I think... I can't see that being true. His days are numbered. His yeah. days are numbered. And I've seen a few, few ex-pros come out and said, you know, maybe there wasn't a, a concrete conversation between Ten Hag and Ronaldo regarding what his role at the club would be this yeah. year. But I think Ronaldo has to be a realist. Mm-hmm. He has to look at the situation and understand that he's not the same footballer he was five, ten years ago. And I think he just needs to come to terms with the fact that Maybe his role at a club is just to be a support man. Yeah. Help garner the young the young kids. Mm-hmm. Help make them better players. And ultimately play a bit part minutes. We'll have a question for you as a United fan. Is this situation that we're in now with Cristiano Ronaldo and him wanting to leave and potentially tarnishing his, his legacy with the club, is this worse or would it have been worse if he went to Manchester City? I'm going to be honest with you and I'm going to be honest with, with, with the listeners as well. I know Man City are in the same city as us mm-hmm. but I don't really count the Manchester derby as that much of a derby to yeah. tell you the truth. Like, don't get me wrong, like, obviously it is a derby. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're right beside and each other. And it's always a big game. And, and it is a big what? game but, like, my the, my rivals in my head when I think of Man United and the Premier League, it's Arsenal, it's Chelsea. And especially Liverpool. Yeah. I think Liverpool's Man United's biggest rival. Yeah. So if he had a sign for Liverpool, oh God. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I would have really kicked off. Yeah. But if he had a sign for City, yeah, it wouldn't be nice seeing him play for another club in the Premier League. But mm-hmm. that's all it would have been to me, playing for another club in the Premier League. Yeah. Not necessarily that I care that much that it would yeah. be Man City. That's fair enough. Owen, what do you think? What's the final verdict on Ronaldo? Is, is he staying at United or is that him done? I can't see how he can stay at United. Yeah. I can't see how he can be in the building, in the training ground with a team that he's essentially thrown under the bus. Yeah. With a manager who said, I don't care about you. Yeah. Um, and you said yourself there, he scored three goals this season. If you take the name Cristiano Ronaldo out of it, who in world football is going to pay big money mm-hmm. on wages yeah. for a, a 38-year-old striker who scored three goals this season? Yeah. Nobody's going to do it. No. If you take the name Ronaldo out of it, and that's simply what it is, football is a results business, and he's not demonstrating the results. Mm-hmm. He's throwing the toys out of the pram. I can't see any benefit for a club to say Ronaldo at the minute. That's fair enough. That's completely fair enough. Yeah, look, I think myself, I, like when I was asking you there about professionalism or performances, I do still think, and I always will think, that Cristiano Ronaldo can offer something, and he will always bring goals to the table. Yes, fair enough, he's only brought three goals in a bit part role for United this season. But I do think the attitude problems and him trying to get away all summer made him, in his mind, worse. I still think he's got the ability. Obviously, he's still he's a bit long in the tooth in comparison to what he was a few years ago. But, yeah, no, I, I, I can't see it. Um, will we move on? Yeah, so let's get straight into the fixtures. Um, the first one being City versus Brentford, a two-one win for Brentford right at the death. Connor, what do you think? Crazy, it's just the Premier League is. <laughs> it's so exciting. That's where it's the best league in the world. Yeah, like anybody could beat anybody on on, on any given day. Um, City controlled the game. 
uh, dominated possession, dominated the, the, the creation of chances, just looked like Man City. The only thing that they didn't look like doing was putting the ball in the back of the net, yeah. which was unfortunate for them, but fortunate for Brentford, who were who were able to score two very well-crafted goals, two well-crafted counter-attacks, and it really sort of poses the question, you know, Ivan Tony wasn't picked for the World Cup, and we're looking at a guy that scored 17 Premier League goals in, in 2022. He is 10 this season, and Kane is the only English player to have scored more goals in the calendar year of 2022 than Ivan Tony. That's mad. It's crazy. Third highest goal scorer in the Premier League this season. Who is? Tony? Tony, yep. That's incredible. Only Kane and Holland out of him. And he wasn't picked for England. Yeah, like. He wasn't picked for England. That doesn't make sense. Owen, what do you think? Uh, I think it was fully deserved. The The result? The result. Yeah. Brentford got it completely right. Mm-hmm. They let City have the ball, and City created chances. They had 29 shots. But they just didn't look at their fluid selves. Yeah. They couldn't put it away. Like only six of those twenty nine shots were on target. And Brentford should have scored more. Yeah. Especially at the end. Their counter attacking was brilliant. Uh, Tony Tony honestly could have had a hat trick yesterday. Should have. Should have probably had a hat trick. He could have had five. Yeah. Yeah. Um and interesting see for uh, the winning goal. Yeah. I watched it back there and the man defending the front post for his, for City was Holland. Yeah. Brantford, the ball broke inside Brantford's box. Holland was inside Brantford's box. And he was the only man to get back to his own box to defend. Really? So he's run past his midfield, his centre-backs. Like, so that begs the question, why weren't those players pushing themselves? Now, Holland's the only one in that City start 11 not going to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Was that something that was creeping into the back of minds of City players towards the end of the game? Could be. We've with a week to go to the biggest tournament in football, mm-hmm. do we want to risk an injury? We, we think we're beat, good enough to beat Brantford anyway without going 100%. And I think Brantford showed them up for it. And Brantford were deserved winners by far. Well, Thomas Frank said it was the best win in Brantford's history. Would you be inclined to agree? Yeah. Look, yeah. it's Man- they beat Man City. Yeah. They beat ultimately... The English Premier League champions. champions and, and ultimately, yes, okay, they're second in the league, but they're still the best team in the world. And... Ultimately, <laughs> how can that not be the best win? Especially away from home as yeah. well. You've went yeah. to their, you've went to their backyard, and you've bashed them about the pitch. You've mm-hmm. showed them up physically, and you've you've come away and you've nabbed three points. And now City are five points behind Arsenal. They've actually dropped ten points this season, which is crazy to think at this stage of the season, you know, especially when exactly, you're thinking about Man City. You know, and it sort of it makes you ponder the question: like, where do City's problems actually lay? Why is it that they dropped ten points this season? Mm-hmm. Why is it that they're not sitting top of the Premier League, especially considering we're now in the break yeah. towards the World Cup? Mm-hmm. I think one factor is just the fact that Arsenal have been so good this year, yeah. and that they've they've blitzed majority of people that they've played. But um, a big thing for me is. And again, guys, jump in and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I always have found with City, especially over the last four or five years, if you bring the game to City, they don't look like they know how to deal with you. Mm. Their defence isn't as good as I think people think it is. Yes, they do concede less amount of goals, but that's because Ederson performs well over his XG and his shots post-faced. Mm-hmm. I... I just don't think their 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 two centre backs are as good as people think they are. To be completely honest, see, I don't know. Like, I do agree that if you come at City, you have a chance of getting something from 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 the, from the game. Um, but 
like they win the Premier League near enough every year now. It's it's hard to say that their centre backs aren't good enough. Do you know what I mean? I think Ruben Diaz. I think he's one of the best in the world. Just personally, I think he's one of the best in the world. Um, but yeah, I think it would be be harsh to say that they're not good enough because they're doing their job all right. Well, you know it, what I mean? it's not even necessarily that I mean that they're not good enough. It's just you know every year they they get. Well, sorry, this, they're not not as good as as uh, people think. They yeah, are. Yes, it's just I find the, the pundits like talk them up quite a lot. But yeah. I've seen Cancelo get got up mm-hmm. and and been exposed. A, f- a few times this season to yeah. be honest uh, Diaz aside, like in my head honest to God other than his debut season I don't think Diaz has looked all that defensively great mm. to be completely honest I think his on the ball work makes him look a lot better mm-hmm. but uh, again Diaz to me is one of those centre backs I really think you can get at yeah. John Stones has always been the type of defender that has a clanger in his yeah, locker uh, Yeah, and he's playing like right back at the moment yeah and you know, then you have Laporte. He's never really found his feet at City either. He's never really had a consistent run of games where mm-hmm. you've gone. Do you know what? Laporte's one of the best centre halves in the world. I just it, to me, City were always just if you really turned up, you could really get at them. Yeah. And I think that's where their problems lie. I think undoubtedly, when they're in possession and when they're attacking, they are an absolute joy to watch yeah. because they play some of the best football I have seen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would possibly rival that the great Barcelona side. But I just think defensively they are they're a bit leaky. Well, surely they bounce back from this result though. Yeah, they have after to. The World Cup. They have to. Well, it depends. You know, if it come if, if people come back from the World Cup injured, who knows? Yeah. Well, well moving on to the second game. Sorry, Owen. Did you something to say? I was going to say, we're looking at City now five points behind Arsenal. But if it wasn't for a questionable penalty decision last weekend, I'll say yeah, against Fulham, mm-hmm. they'd have another two points dropped. Mm-hmm. So City's been on a bit of a ropey form recently. Yeah. Yeah, including Europe, the Drew of Copenhagen. Yes, that's right. Like It's not really being talked about because obviously it's City, it's all right. But if this was a United... They already won the group though. I know they had already won the group, but even still, a nil-nil draw at home to Copenhagen, yeah. it's still not what Manchester City is no, about. No, I understand. I understand. And they lost to Liverpool, the drop points uh, yesterday, losing to Brantford. Yeah. Like, they drew with Newcastle as well. Like, these, this is not becoming of a City team. If you think last year when they're fighting Liverpool for the title and they won, Liverpool win, City win, Liverpool win, City win, mm-hmm. a draw looked like a 7 nil defeat. Yeah, yeah, it did. It's just it doesn't seem right nearly. Yeah, and it's top, a weird league this season. It, it is weird because you're looking at Arsenal at the top and you're thinking it's Arsenal will fall off. Yeah, but haven't fallen off yet. Yeah. No, well, let's no. talk about them. Let's talk about them now. So it's it's Wolves and Arsenal, a two 0 win for Arsenal away at the Molyneux, which is a very very tough ground to go to. Obviously, Wolves are bottom of the table, not performing well. Yeah. But another win for Arsenal. A one. <laughs> you used to be an Arsenal fan anyway. What do you think about that? They're going great. I think they're playing really well. Um, I was watching the game and Odegaard is in the form of his life nearly. Yeah. Yeah. Like Odegaard is finally starting to become that player that people are talking about when he's made his debut at 15 and he yes. signed for Real Madrid. He had a couple of years out in the wilderness but he seems now to be in a system where he enjoys his football. He loves his football. He scored six goals and his five assists in the Premier League this season. Yeah. And he's the captain. Yeah. And he's still, what is Odegaard now, 23? Yeah, 23. He's young. Yeah. He's 23. It feels like he's been around for years. Yeah. And I suppose that is because he, he came he, out. He literally has. He literally has. <laughs> he literally has. <laughs> but he's 23. His prime still miles ahead of him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he's only going to get better from here. And 
if Arsenal has a great crop of young talent at the minute, yeah. you've got Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Smith-Rowe, Saliba, like, that is going to be the core of this Arsenal team if they can keep them together for the next five, five six, years. seven yeah. years. Like, yeah, absolutely. And if you can build a team around that core group, mm-hmm. there's, like, this Arsenal team could be the Arsenal team to get back in to what they were in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, like, I think the upper management of Arsenal deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. Because yeah. Arteta could have been gone yeah. on multiple occasions over the last couple of years. Yeah. But they showed patience with him. They did. They believed in this project and now they're reaping the rewards. Exactly. Connor, what do you think? It's interesting, um, Owen pointed out, obviously, out of guard stats this season. Mm-hmm. The, the six goals he's, he's scored have all come from inside the box. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of Arsenal DNA. Looks like it's at its strongest as ever. You know, everybody used to joke about, oh, Arsenal walk the ball into the net. Yeah. But they, 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 they look like do. they're walking the ball yeah. into the net at the minute. Yeah. Um, they are, they're a class act, honestly, at yeah. the minute. I can't praise them enough. They, they, they are a class act. They have some phenomenal players. Um, some players who have maybe gone a little bit unnoticed this season, the likes of Ben White, Granite Xhaka, who mm-hmm. have really kicked on. Yeah. Um, you know, so. It's funny, I read the other day, you know, Ramsdale's technically underperforming in terms of stats, but you would still say Ramsdale's one of the best goalkeepers in the in the league. Yeah, this season, yeah. Um, they've got Tommy Asu back now from injury. I think he'll definitely add to them. Tierney looks to be on a better run of form now too. He's <laughs> managing to keep injury free. Of course, Owen knows a lot about yeah. Kieran Tierney. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> um, I think if they can keep these guys fit, yeah. Um, I don't see any reason why... Why they drop points now? Because they just look like the real deal. Mm. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> you, love, you love controversy, I do, don't you? <laughs> I do, I do. I just, I don't think this Arsenal side has what it takes. I think it definitely has the foundations of a team that can win the Premier League in the future, in the next few years, definitely. I just think at the minute they can't and the only reason I say that because I've hemmed and harm I'm hemmed and hard over it all season. Their Carabao Cup loss to Brighton, I think showed me no this they can't win this. And I just think it's because of their lack of squad depth. Okay. I think Arsenal or a Saliba injury or a Jesus injury from Crumbler. Especially Saliba. I think Saliba's the cement that keeps that team going at the minute. Even Xhaka I think an injury to a key player in Arsenal could really, really struggle because I don't think they have the depth to bring that in. If Jesus gets injured, Eddie Nketiah comes in. And I think Nketiah is a good player. I just don't think he's the standard of a Premier League winning team. He's not a he's not a striker to win your Premier League. No, he's no. not. No. Would, would you be inclined to agree with me then in terms of squad depth at least, let alone winning the league? I think Arsenal can have the ability to sustain it this season, but I don't think they will. Yeah. I think Arsenal's building for something in the near future. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. Yeah. And as you said, even with Jesus, they're still missing the 25 goal season striker. Yeah. Like Jesus hasn't scored since the Tottenham game. What's yes, that? Seven, seven games or something he hasn't yeah. scored in. Like, Mad. he's great. Gabriel Jesus keeps that Arsenal team ticking. He does so much work that won't go into the statistics. And won't get him the highlights and won't get him the informed card and FIFA on this. <laughs> but he gets so he's involved so much in the link play. If you look at an Arsenal goal, he might not get the assist or he might not get the pass before the assist, but there's always a touch from Jesus in there. Yeah, he's always in there. And I think a player who deserves a lot of credit for Arsenal this season is Granit Xhaka. Yeah. His career looked dead and buried did. after he stormed off the pitch against Palace. And that was still under Arteta. Still under Arteta. But 
his revival has been fantastic. He scored three goals this season yeah. for a player who couldn't score and save his life. I mean, he only scores bangers. He does he only score bangers. Spiking of Odegaard scoring it uh, only inside the box. Grand Xhaka exclusively only scores from yeah, outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it is exclusively outside yeah. the box. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we'll move on. Um, and let's talk about Newcastle versus Chelsea. It's crazy to think that this was a match between two top four sides. So, Newcastle now moving up into third. A 1-0 win over Chelsea. Are they the real deal, Connor? You can't, again, I'm going to say the same thing that I say about Arsenal. Yeah. You can't not look at them as legitimate contenders for that for top four, for, for top four yeah. and for playing in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I think of that new ca- current crop of Newcastle players actually played in the Champions League, I think they would qualify from a group. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, their I, mentality I think, and yeah. all is fantastic. I think they're that good and they're yeah. that well coached. Um, funny, I seen today, massive, massive news story broke earlier this morning. A target for Newcastle in the summer was Bayer Leverkusen's Moussa Diaby. Right. He was touted at 40 million in the summer. Newcastle are going to go back in for him in January, if you if you read into the speculation. Mm-hmm. This time the price has raised to 60 million. I feel Newcastle definitely need to spend in the summer if they want to solidify the top four spot. Yeah. And a player like Diaby suits them perfectly, especially with the injuries to St. Maximin and Isaac. We touched upon it last week, yeah. but I thought they had to go into the market and they had to strengthen. Mm-hmm. Well, Diaby definitely makes them stronger. This season in, in uh, the Bundesliga for Leverkusen, Moussa Diaby has made 15 assists, he has scored 6 goals and he has 3 assists. He's actually now transitioning from a winger to more of a centre forward, number 10 type player. Um, but obviously still has that ability to play on the wing and can even play up top mm-hmm. if, if asked to do so. I think he's a fantastic player. Is he in the French squad? I think he was. I think he might be. I think he was expecting the French squad. Yeah, he has. He's been going well. I think he might be. I think he would make Newcastle all the better. Yeah. Um, Imagine him on the right and some maximum on the left. That's, that's he's like up top. With <laughs> you know, uh, a midfield three of Joe Linton, Bruno Gomorish and Almiron yeah. at the 10. Insane. With either Wilson or Isaac as your striker. Yeah. Smart. That's crazy how good they've become in the space of two windows and it's brilliant because they haven't bought that big big name obviously they spent big on Alexander Isaac yeah. but they haven't bought that huge name on like what do you think about Newcastle uh, like obviously when the Saudis took over it was all tighter though Haaland and Bappe yeah. all coming to Newcastle mm-hmm. but they brought Eddie Howe in who's a great manager it looked to the world two years ago he's going to go to Celtic yeah. he didn't he went to Newcastle so I think I passed Cagli, so it worked out well for both squads. <laughs> I don't want to talk about him too much. <laughs> need, need to get a wee bit in there. Um, but Howe has made some fantastic signings. Like, if you look at the players Newcastle have brought in, who's now like, their mainstay players, Pope was brought in, mm-hmm. Trippier, Bruno Gamars, um, Batman, uh, Matt Target, even though he's injured this year. Yeah. Like, these are, these are they aren't the big name signings. They're not going to make you uh, 50 million in shirt sales. Yeah. But... They've been so good for Newcastle. It made them such a solid team. Like, Joe Linton is now one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Exactly. Because you know what? You were talking about Sven Bottman. I'm sorry to brought in. I think it's an absolute disgrace he was not picked in the Netherlands squad. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't understand why he wasn't picked. Because like, he has been phenomenal. And he was phenomenal for Lille the past few years as yeah. well. Like, obviously you're going to pick Van Dijk because yes. he's Van Dijk. Bottman in the Premier League in the same league this season has been a better performer than Van Dijk. Yeah. So well, they picked that guy. Like, and they didn't pick Batman. I don't understand it. Doesn't it. make sense. 
maybe like national team managers doesn't suit their system or whatever, but looking at simply as the best performing players, you'd think Batman had to be going to the World Cup mm, for that yeah. Netherlands side. Yeah. What about Chelsea, Connor? Look, it's it's it seems every week now we are yeah. negative about Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And look, to Chelsea fans out there, I, I apologise if I do come across as quite strong, but I'm sorry, guys, your team's just not playing well at the minute, and, and it's really reflect, reflected in, in your stats. You've recorded less than 0.5 XG in two consecutive Premier League matches for the first time since March 2012. And only four Premier League teams have taken fewer shots than Chelsea this season. If that doesn't say about your lack of creativity and your lack of innovation in the forward areas, I don't know what does. You rely on players like Havertz, who, if I'm going to be just be completely cutthroat and honest here, he is average. He will never be anything more than average. I'm sorry, he doesn't cut the mustard in the Premier League. Pulisic, average, mm-hmm. and will only ever be average. <laughs> Pulisic is the American Don James. <laughs> oh, he's the LeBron James of soccer. Sorry, <laughs> LeBron James of soccer. <laughs> he is terrible. He is absolutely brutal. Mason Mount is overrated. Agreed. Aubameyang is not going to carry you through this spell. I don't know what Chelsea do. I really, really don't. But Potter, I think, had has more of a job on his hands than people would would care to admit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we would all, well, I definitely would uh, consider Peter Drury as the greatest commentator of of our generation. To be honest, I think he's an absolute poet. Yeah, yeah. it's the exact word for him. Um, yeah. Well, he was talking about Chelsea yesterday, and he said, "Chelsea is the most consistent team with one win in August, one win in September, and one win in October." It's just like a menstrual cycle. <laughs> if they don't win in November, we'll all know that Chelsea are pregnant. <laughs> and he went on to say, the Potter is building a type of pressing team at Chelsea. Depressing. <laughs> it's telling. It's telling. Chelsea should not be in the situation that they are, considering how much money they spent. No, they shouldn't. The prop, the main thing for Chelsea board to think about though is, Graham Potter is playing with Thomas Tuchel's team. Yes, he is. So Graham Potter's will not be able to implement his identity on that team until he gets Graham January and the summer signings in that squad. The Chelsea board have to be willing to give him time because mm-hmm. as he showed with Brighton, Graham Potter is a great manager, but he's playing with Thomas Tuchel's team, and it almost seems like some of those players don't care. There's no creative spark whatsoever. Like at any point against Newcastle, did Newcastle feel worried? Mm. No, it was comfortable. Yeah. And although Newcastle have now come on their third in the league, rightly, Chelsea, a Chelsea team shouldn't be going to St James's Park and making Newcastle completely comfortable. Yeah. Well, fans are calling for Potter to be sacked already. But that's just Chelsea fans that's, for you, lads. Just yeah. fans. They, they honestly, they are a laughable bunch <laughs> at the be- at the best of times. Look, Chelsea don't make the top four this year. It's as simple as that. Chelsea's best hope is to make Europa. Yeah, first. Uh, Spurs versus Leeds. A 4-2 win for Spurs after a, a thrilling encounter. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Owen? Um, it's the second time in the last couple of weeks that we've seen the character of Spurs where they've been down early and they've pulled it back later on to win. against The same as against, against Bournemouth. But... The problem with Spurs at the minute, and it's really untypical of an Antonio Conte team, is they're conceding too much. Yeah. 
Out of the last five games, they've conceded two goals in four of them and three goals yesterday. Mad. And yes, one of those games was against Liverpool. But they're not playing the cream of the cream. They've conceded twice to Bournemouth. Conceded three times to Leeds. Like, this is not typical of an Antonio Conte team. I, the cream of the cream. The cream. <laughs> <laughs> when, when the second cream was said, I was like... <laughs> Dream of the crap, dream of the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my brother happy here, okay? Yeah. Because he's not been happy with me. Big Spurs. I've slated his Spurs. I've slated his Spurs. My dad's not been happy with me either. Because <laughs> they're big Spurs fans in yeah. our house. So gonna keep them happy here. So Ashing, Dad, this is especially for you. Benton Kerr has four in his last three games. He's looking absolutely excellent at the minute. Yeah, Shoe in to start for Uruguay at the World Cup. Looks like a serious player, in, in all honesty. Feature really, team of the week. Too. Feature team of the week. <laughs> really, really good. Uh, honestly, Benton Kerr is fantastic. Yeah, he he's really a great is. Player. That Uruguay midfield is looking very good. It's yeah. Valverde and yeah. Benton Kerr in there. Oh. Like. Talking about keeping the ball, like. I know. They'll keep yeah, the ball. Yeah, Benton Kerr's playing well. Yeah, they'll yeah. keep the ball. Someone that's gone unnoticed in a couple of weeks, over the last few weeks, is Yves Basuma. And interesting stat about him, he has won back the ball that has led to nine shot ending possessions. This is only in 581 minutes of football, mind you. The next best is his ex-Brighton teammate, Moises Caicedo. He has seven ball-winning possessions that have ended with a shot, but he has done it in 576 more minutes than Basuma. He is over 1,100 minutes, mm-hmm. whereas Basuma is literally sitting at 581 for those nine shot ending actions. Can you ask for much more from your holding midfielder? You can't. And like this is a guy a few weeks ago that Conte said wasn't tactically up to, to play in his system. Mm-hmm. But from his come in about a month ago, he's really settled in. Looks like a really good linchpin. And honestly, at, at 20 million, you can't really look past that signing, can you? Like, no, that's it. Like. Or is it a turning point for Spurs though? Like obviously we said they're conceding a lot, but it's that's a statement win. Four two again Leeds. Leeds yeah. Leeds are at high press inside and at a point. It was like, it is a great win for Spurs and it does look like it could be a turning point. Mm-hmm. Like it's it almost seems like Spurs have had been poor results every week, but they're sitting fourth from the table. Yeah. Like they're still in the top four. Yeah, they're they're still like when you look at their squad on paper, they are they are one of the top four sides in, in England. Mm-hmm. You know some of the players that they have are absolutely fantastic. Yes, there's a few that, that aren't performing at the minute, but it's like I said last week, and and I do stick by it. I think if Son comes back from the World Cup and he's firing again, Spurs will be absolutely fine. Yeah. They will be one hundred percent, no problem. If he doesn't, though, uh, they might be in a wee bit more trouble because yeah. I don't think Kane can carry that load on his own. Yeah. On the flip side, though, with Leeds last week. <laughs> they won four three, mm-hmm. and this week they were on the receiving end of a late four three. Yeah, loss. I just realised that I've been saying four two when it's been four three. So <laughs> yeah. I do apologise. <laughs> so honestly, I just think that's mad. Again, that's one of those highlights that just shows well the Premier League can just blow yeah. your mind at times. Um, and again, Somerville and Rodrigo looking like the two absolute best players for Leeds at the minute. Rodrigo is in fantastic form. Mm-hmm. You know, for a guy who has constantly throughout his career been touted as not a striker, he's not a striker, he's not a centre forward, he's a winger. Yeah. No, he's not a winger, he's maybe a centre forward, maybe he's a number 10. Yeah. People c- couldn't find out his, his perfect position. Look, 
he's scoring goals at the minute. Yeah. You can't not That's look at him. You can't not look at him as one of the one of the better sort of attacking players in the Premier League. And again, this young fella Somerville just looks like an absolute talent. Four in a row. Four in a row. Mm-hmm. He is serious player. Mm-hmm. And the thing I really really like about him, and that I hope. I hope they don't take out of his game because there's nothing worse than I hate when managers restrict young talents. First thing he does when he gets the ball is he puts his head down, he drives it on. Yeah. Gets to the byline. Gets yeah. to the byline, looks for the cross, looks to chop back inside, maybe get a shot off. I, I, I honestly, I don't think I've seen him turn around and pass the ball back once. Mm-hmm. No. That's what you need from your Premier League wingers. You need boys that just drive at men and cause them all kinds of trouble. And I can tell you that that right-hand side of the Tottenham defence was given a torrid time yeah. against Leeds because Somerville tore them up. Really, really tore them up. It's good to see. One and, thing uh, sorry, I'd, go ahead. I'd add to that game is I don't think Tottenham's first goal should have counted. It was as clear a foul on a goalkeeper, as you can see. And I'm biased because I'm playing that myself. Mm-hmm. But what, not only did Heiberg go into him, Richarlison decided to use Heiberg as a battering ram <laughs> to make sure Heiberg went into him. <laughs> <laughs> The ref didn't give it, and VAR didn't think of it worth looking at it. Now on the flip side, for Leeds' first goal, Tottenham fans might argue Bentecourt was fouled. Yeah. yeah, but I just don't understand how VAR cannot cannot uh, pick up on a foul like that leading to a goal. You know, but ended up being a one goal game. Yeah, yeah. like for a team like Leeds, who you don't think they've, they've a lot of quality, but at the end of the day, they are still down at the bottom end of that table. Yeah. you can see how much one point makes a difference. Remember a couple of years yeah. ago? Yeah. When the goal line technology stopped working Truth. and it kept Villa up and it relegated, was Bournemouth. it Chef Bournemouth? Yeah. Yeah. And look at how Villa uh, went on from that mm-hmm. and we've been fighting up at the top end of the table the last couple of years. Yeah. It is. It's, it's massive. Well, from one young talent in Somerville, we move on to another in the match winner in the Manchester United and Fulham game Alejandro Giornaccio. Connor, you have a big smile on your face. What's that about? Who needs Ronaldo now? <laughs> <laughs> We've got Garnacho, Viva Garnacho. He's unreal, honestly. He's uh, United keep putting up Starboy, and he is the Starboy at the yeah. minute. Like, um, it's just so exciting. Um, some would say generational. <laughs> Those who do are a bit silly. <laughs> but, um, Honestly, it's just it's again like I said about Somerville. It's refreshing to just have a talent that doesn't pass the ball backwards, yeah. and that just puts his head down and drives it, man. And again, I've seen this too often with with academy products that come out of Man United. Rashford used to do that when he first broke out of the academy, yeah. and yeah. he was just electric. And I want Garnacho to be the same. I want him just to keep putting his head down and driving it, man, because he has pace to burn. He has the tricks. He has the skills. We've seen the step overs, the nice wee fancy flicks. So I want him to keep it going. He's the second youngest 90th minute um, goal scoring teenager in the Premier League. Can you guess who the number one was? I know who the number one was. Keiko Makeda. Keiko Makeda. <laughs> Keiko Makeda was the youngest 90th minute goal scorer yeah. in Premier League. History. And what a goal it was. Won us the league in 2009. Yeah. Did. It's no coincidence that, that the two youngest players are Man United players. We are a club that's known for scoring late goals. And. I think it's it, things like that just make you think it's written in the stars, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. the things like that can happen. He pulled out the Messi celebration last night as well. Yeah. Um, and then Ronaldo came out with that interview. So, is there a coincidence there? I, I think, think not. not. <laughs> <laughs> I think not. Um, I think, can I just highlight another Man United player, though? Yes, I know it's fantastic to talk about this young, aspiring talent. But look, Bruno didn't play last week. 
and we mm-hmm. highlighted last week when we were talking about Man United their apparent lack of creativity when Bruno was yeah. not in the side. I wanted to back that up this week with a little bit of fact. Bruno is the second highest open play chances created with 29 this season in the Premier League. He's tied second with Salah. Um, he takes 1.8 shots per 90 and 2.4 big, big chances created per 90. Is he United's best player? I, I, I think so. Yeah. I think Bruno's far and away United's best player. He, he really does frustrate me at times, yeah. especially when he just consistently gives the ball mm-hmm, away. Mm-hmm. But I understand that that one in a hundred that does exactly. come off is the one that that you get Many the goal from. You, I know, I know. <laughs> but I seen it. I said really seen it yesterday because yeah. he he just tries and tries and tries and tries, and yeah. at times he looks like he's the only one that's trying. And it's just a class act. Well, yesterday was a hundredth Premier League appearance. Um, and in them 100 games, he has 38 goals, 26 assists, 243 chances created, and 2,558 passes in the final third. Scrawly numbers. Great. If that doesn't show that you're one of the best attacking midfielders in the world, I don't know what is. McYardle, what's, what's your take not being a Man United fan? What do you think of Bruno Fernandes? I think he's a great player. Um... I do think he gets a wee bit unfairly criticised. Mm-hmm. But as you said, you think he's United's best player. Everything kind of ticks for him. So if he's not ticking, United's not ticking. Yeah. Which is probably why the brunt would come back on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be relying on one man to do everything for you. Um, obviously, you look at the numbers and you kind of sit back and go, God, I've, I've unrated him a bit unfairly. I've always thought Bruno Fernandes was very good player. I always, never really would have put him in that band for the likes of Kevin De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. But obviously he's doing the numbers to show it. Maybe it's because De Bruyne has the hardware to back, back it up. Mm-hmm. But he's obviously a really, really strong footballer. And he makes that United team tick. Without him, God knows where it would be. Yeah. So No, I agree. And speaking of players who make teams tick, I think... Fulham without Mitrovic, there's something wrong there. Like, well, to be fair, Fulham have put it up now to Manchester United and Manchester City in two consecutive weeks. They're obviously a better team than they were any other team they've came up from the championship. Um, but without Mitrovic, they look a bit lost up front. Connor, what do you think? Yeah, well, I actually thought you know I had a bit of criticism for Vinicius last week. But I actually thought he played quite well yeah, yesterday. He did. He did. Um, I thought he looked um, a lot, a lot better, a lot sharper. Maybe he's just actually starting to grow into the role a wee bit. Um, Dan James written in the stars. Of course, he was going to score against yeah. Man United after me for three or four years calling him pace merchant and useless. <laughs> um, I just want to highlight one Wolves player. Sorry, one the Welsh player. Pulisic. <laughs> <laughs> The LeBron Hamez of Jai Palinha, again, we talk, touched on him last week. 65 tackles in the Premier League. It's the most this season. Nine tackles last night against Manchester United. It's the most in a Premier League game this season. I just think he's absolutely phenomenal. Fair and I can't, once again, I'm going to stress, I can't believe that the top six did not look at a player like that mm-hmm. and think, at 18 million, that's a good buy. Yep. So all credit to Fulham. You have got an absolute established international player that's going to the World Cup on your hands he's made 15 appearances for Portugal he's probably going to start at the World yep. Cup for Portugal realistically so all power to them Fulham will be absolutely fine this season yeah, Pauline, season. yeah. yeah he could be he could well be he could be and I wouldn't be surprised if he got a big big move in the next two years if, yeah. he, can, yeah. if he keeps it going yeah. um, ok moving on we're going to talk about Liverpool and Southampton a uh, 3-1 win for Liverpool 
Uh, Liverpool coming into a bit of form. Darwin Nunes scored two goals. Mm-hmm. He's been criticised recently, and and Jesus has been bigged up as this big massive signing for Arsenal. And he's been fantastic, but Darwin Nunes, I think he has the same amount of goals or yeah. even more now. Five five goals apiece. Five goals apiece in the Premier League. And Darwin Nunes has been considered a flop. Owen, what do you think? I think Darwin Nunes was always going to get judged on Erling Haaland. Yes, because. Especially with that community shield. Especially game, the community yeah. shield game, City and Liverpool have been at the top table for the last three or four years. But a big money, big money signing. I almost feel that if Haaland hadn't started the way he has started, which is historical, mm-hmm. Nunes wouldn't be getting the flack that he is getting. Like at the end of the day, well, he's, Nunes is a young Uruguayan player. Yeah. he's come from South America and went to Portugal. He's now in a new country, an English-speaking country, culture completely different. Mm-hmm. He's in a new city. He doesn't know anybody in this city. He's just come out of nowhere, and he scored five Premier League goals this season. He started off. He started off really well. Like the red card against Palace is probably the catalyst that dropped Nunez back a wee bit. Yeah, it kind of stunted him a wee bit. Yeah. But before that, he came on against Fulham the last twenty minutes when they were two 0 down. Scored a goal and got an assist. Mm-hmm. Saved Liverpool at the start of the season yeah. when we thought, oh, that's going to be a big two points drop in the title race. Obviously, now Liverpool haven't performed at the levels we know Liverpool can. Mm-hmm. But they're starting to come back in and they're starting to get big wins. Mm-hmm. That win at Tottenham was a massive win for Liverpool. Yeah. I do still think Liverpool will finish in the top four. Yeah. Well, they're sixth at the minute. Connor, what's your verdict on Liverpool and ultimately Southampton? Yeah, Liverpool, I think, are looking much, much better at the minute. Um, definitely starting to um, look like the Liverpool of old. Um, a player yesterday that I thought was phenomenal as well, Andy Robertson. He had two assists. He created six chances as well. Looked like himself again, really bombing down that left-hand side, commanding that touchline. He was fantastic yesterday. Um, even in, in midfield yesterday, Liverpool looked to, to keep the ball a hell of a lot better. But again, look, I touched on it with Southampton last week. I just think their side's too young to compete in in, in the Premier League. Um, I think they are, honestly, uh, I don't like to say it because I like Southampton as a club, but I think they're a shoe-in to go down. Really? Yeah. Even under Nathan Jones? Yeah, I don't think Jones. I I think Jones is a good coach. I think he's a competent coach, but I don't think Southampton have the resources or or the squad to to stay in the the Premier League. Fair enough. Um, Moving on. Brighton versus Aston Villa, a 2-1 win for Villa and a second straight victory in the league for Unai Emery, who I said was going to fail, still agree. Um, Owen, Unai Emery, you're used to watching him as a former Arsenal fan. I liked him when he was at Arsenal. Yeah. I know it didn't end the way he wanted, but I did like him and the season he lost his job, the Arsenal lost their last three games to throw away the top four. Yeah. If Arsenal had won one of those games... There's a good chance that Arteta wouldn't be the Arsenal manager. Yeah. Because he, he would have stayed on for another year. I think Villa have a really talented squad. Like the likes of Leon Bailey, yeah. Buendia, mm-hmm. Danny Ings, Ali Watkins. That's fantastic attacking talent. Like that's a squad more than capable of keeping the team in the Premier League. Absolutely. And being Link. far up the table. Yeah. Two goals from Rings yesterday. Yep. Another English striker not going to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think his form kind of dipped a wee bit yeah, at, I this season. That. He is quite so unreliable in terms of I don't think records. I don't think he's a quality striker for England in the World Cup. Yeah. But scored two goals yesterday. Um uh, one of them was penalty that was rightly rightfully given. Mm-hmm. And 
beating Brighton at the Amex is not an easy task, especially the form Brighton have been in. Yeah, this season. So Emery has now hosted United mm-hmm. and beat them. He went to Old Trafford in the Cup, put it up to them, lost, actually lost, and beaten Brighton away. So Emery will be going into the World Cup break happy enough with yeah, decent start for what Scotty has, and now his time to work with a lot of that Villa team. There's not much. There's not a lot of Villa players going to the World Cup, so he'll have the core of that team to work with over the next month or so. Mm-hmm. So Villa could come out of this World Cup break and be uh, one of the main threats. The, the not breaking in the top six, but the type of team the Arsenal will go to or City will go to needing the results. They're always um, one of them teams that just struggle against. Yeah, Villa can turn them yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, moving on, we'll talk a wee bit about Bournemouth and Everton. A 3-0 win for Bournemouth. Um, what's going on? What's going on? Everton have played Bournemouth twice in the space of a week. Yeah. The aggregate score is 7-1 to Bournemouth. Yeah. Honestly, Everton are just... Look, they're one point and they're one place above the relegation zone at the minute. And it's doesn't look like it's going to get any better. The, Jordan Pickford is performing exceptionally this season. He's performing well above his underlying numbers would suggest. Um, and he's really saving Everton at the minute. Mm-hmm. You know, We did praise them a couple of weeks ago for their defensive solidity, but what I didn't realise was just how much of that actually come down to Pickford's overperformance yeah. this year. He was poor at the weekend, but he was, he was due a bad game. He has been, he yeah. has been. But you know what? I said it last week about Bournemouth. They play lovely football. Mm-hmm. I really like watching Bournemouth this year. Yeah. And ultimately, Everton weren't fit to keep pace with them. Well, Everton have three points in their last seven games. We've seen at the end of the game that the fans weren't happy. Nope. Um, the players went over to the fans, the away fans, and uh, will be even threw his shirt into the fans, and the fans threw it back at them. And we've seen big Captain Coleman very upset. Um I don't like things like that, to no. be honest with you. Um, I think that's one of those things where you know a player's going out of their way to apologise yeah. to the fans. They're sh- the player themselves is showing accountability. It's very, it's very easy for them, for them African players to walk down that tunnel. Down. Yeah, and, they and deserve no. they do deserve credit for yeah. going over. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's not it's not a short journey to Bournemouth no. to Merseyside. No, and they, like they're known as the People's Club, yeah. and their their players made an active beeline to go to the fans and applaud them for coming and to apologise. Yeah. And I don't like that type of behaviour from fans, to be completely honest. Yeah. The guy was trying to do something nice for a young supporter, only for that to be ripped from the young supporter's hands and chucked back at him. Yeah. I just yeah. think that's totally disrespectful. Yeah. The man's apologising and he's holding himself accountable. Yeah. Yeah. So, shame on you Everton fans. Yeah. The one thing I want to add about that Everton game is the second goal, the head injury to Tarkovsky. I think the Premier League needs to do so much more of head injuries. It happened, Tarkovsky, that goal, it happened in the City game, yeah. where the ports had his head split open, yeah. and he was patched up with a bandage and thrown back out there. There needs to be some form of head injury substitutions, like a, similar to something to have in rugby or something, yeah. where you can make a temporary substitution for 10 minutes, an independent doctor checks that player out, and he deems if he's clear, clear the player or not. Because a physio can't come on the pitch, look at a player for two minutes and go, ah, oh, now he's grand. Because they can't say, do you remember it happened uh, with Jose Mourinho? couple of years ago yeah when the physio went on that's right and, and he was ripping Chelsea. and he was ripping yeah. he was ripping I felt yeah. they need somebody independent to come in and do that just this week 30 former professional footballers are suing the FA for negligence with head injuries now those players haven't been named yet but they're not just players who are playing in the 60s and 70s when the ball was wet and made a lever yeah. there's footballers who have recently retired in that list mm-hmm. which just shows that 
football in general just not doing enough to combat head injuries. Agreed, lad. No, I agree. And I do actually think a temporary substitution would be a good implementation in the league. I didn't, I've never thought about that. Um, because they do have the concussion sub, and I think that would be their... I think that would be their defence. But a 10-minute substitution while they get thoroughly checked out yep. uh, could be a good idea. Um, sticking with this game, I just want to add, do Bournemouth have Everton's number? Um, so Bournemouth have only lost one game against Everton in their last seven, which dates back to the 30th of December 2017. And in that space, they won five, lost one, and drew one. So Bournemouth are obviously playing good football, but do they just have Everton's number recently? Yeah, I mean, they could well do, but... like. <laughs> Everton just weren't weren't they just weren't up to scratch. Well, well, that's what we'll put it down to. They just weren't up to scratch. Sure. What was that game a couple of years ago? Was it Everton were at three one up in the ninety fourth minute, and Bournemouth came back to level it or something? Yeah, it was it's one of those mental. ones you see on Twitter. It's like how do you explain to my kids Everton didn't win this game? <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so we're going to move on to Forest versus Palace. A one 0 win for Nottingham Forest. The forty million pound man Morgan Gibbs White with another goal. Um. Potentially an England call up in the future. No, I don't think so. No? No. Uh, I don't think he's good enough, to be honest. Um, Fair enough. Like, I know I said Mason Mount was overrated earlier, but I still think Mason Mount's a better footballer than, than the likes of Gibbs-White. Um, no, I, I honestly, I think what we said last week about Forrest, about them, you know, can see, can maybe consigning themselves to going down this season, I still think that's that's maybe the way. Um, but it's funny in this league, you know, they're, they're only nine points off the top six, yeah. Yeah. which is really weird. Like... But um, actually, I noticed as well. Um, their their striker is a Taiwo Awaniwi. Mm-hmm. He's the third highest non penalty goal xG this year in the league. So if that guy actually starts putting the ball in the back mm-hmm. of the net, he could be really, really dangerous for Forest in the future. Well, momentum's building for them. Yeah, they have a two 0 win over Spurs midweek. This could and be another a, win. This could be a big win for Forest just be. before the World Cup break. Yeah, get themselves off the foot of the table. Like, can Nottingham Forest afford to go down? That's th- the question you need to ask. I think they can, With though. the money they spent this summer. Uh, the investments sh- should suggest that they should stay mm-hmm. on. Like, they didn't invest in those players to build a project. They invest yeah. those players to stay in the Premier League. Yeah. Mm. And if they don't, it could be a situation where they fall off. They've, they've put all their money, all, all their eggs in this basket to stay in the Premier League. And if they don't manage to, it could be a very, very long road back for them. Mm-hmm. On the other side, uh, Zaha penalty miss. Yeah, he wasn't great. He pa- was. Palace in general were poor. Yeah. No uh, shots on target in 90 minutes of football. <laughs> Simply isn't good enough. It's the first time I've watched them this season and genuinely thought, like, well... They're not going to create that. That's anything. not good. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, they've only won away win this season. So they struggle on the road. And you know what they say, to, you know, to stay in the Premier League, you need to win your home games. Yeah. You know, and they're doing that at the minute. So their away form wouldn't concern me too much. Yeah. Uh, last game of the match week West Ham versus Leicester 2-0 win for Leicester oh, former Celtic manager Brendan Rodgers mm-hmm. and as much as it pains me to say him because the the circumstances he left Celtic in <laughs> he's really turned it around when it looked like he was in the ropes Yeah, he looked like a dead man walking The fir- out of the first 10 games Leicester won 1 um, out of the next fi- out of their last 5 they won 4 and the only one that didn't win was a 1-0 defeat to City yeah, that's a serious turnaround for it Leicester. Is. It is. It's massive, massive. Even you know Danny Ward, their goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. A lot of people had him written off as the worst keeper in the league. Yeah. 
Well, he's, he has six clean sheets this season. It's the third highest in the league. So he had one course save from a header yesterday. I can't remember who it was. It was looping over him. Yes. And he just got a hand to it. The commentator thought it hit the crossbar. Yeah. It was, it was an outrageous save. He, he, yeah, he's know, doing well. He, he's picked it up. He looks like a genuinely good goalkeeper. Especially how good Schmeichel was in the last mm-hmm. what, few, five years. Few years for, yeah. for I think last season was a bit of a, a difference, though. It, Schmeichel was poorer last yeah. year. But mm-hmm. look, uh, again, just a f- funny statistic that I want to sort of pull up. Do you know West Ham have won less points than they have games played this season? They're in a bad way. Why is he under pressure? They're not good. It has to be. Like last season they were pushing the European places. Last mm-hmm. few seasons have been pushing European well, places. Well, last, se- last season he took them to a Europa League semi-final. He yep. did. Where they only got beat by the eventual winners. And they're playing in the Conference League still. Yeah, the top of the group. They yeah. won all their games in the Conference League. It's not looking good at the minute. It just doesn't seem to be clicking for them in the league. No. Okay, well that's the roundup of the Premier League this week. We're obviously not doing predictions because there's no more fixtures until Boxing Day um, with this World Cup coming up. But, however, we have got a Player of the Week in from Conor Dorman. And his Player of the Week this week, which I think we can all agree on, was Ivan Tony. Yeah. yeah. Two goals against Man City. Point to prove, not being on the England side. Do we all agree? Oh yeah, yeah. easy. So we'll move on quickly. And we'll go straight into fantasy. There's no pick of the week this week. No Richie's pick. However, we have got our team of the season predictions so far based on Richie's uh, fantasy. So, Connor. Well, fantasy so far this season has been uh, really fun. Um, I'm actually really enjoying playing fantasy this year, whereas in other years it's really, really, really frustrated me. Does that have anything um, to do with the fact you're a tap? Hmm, possibly. <laughs> um, no, look, there's been a number of standout players that I think um, a few surprise packages in there this season as well that I think people wouldn't have expected to be up as high as what they are in the fantasy charts. Just want to run through um, some of the best players so far this season in terms of fantasy points picking up. So the top goalkeeper this year, unsurprisingly, Nick Pope. He's been phenomenal Brilliant. this season. Yeah. Uh, our top uh, top four defenders, um, we have Trippier with 96 points. I, I said it last week, I think he was like the third highest in, in fantasy this season. He has been nothing short of phenomenal. To quote you, if you don't have Trippier in your team, you're a silly you're boy. You're a silly boy, because he, he, just is the be- he just has been the best defender this year. Yeah. Um, we have Saliba with 74 points. Again, just been absolutely outstanding. Part of an Arsenal team that's keeping some, a lot of clean sheets this season too. Uh, Gabriel with 72 points I don't think a lot of people would have thought no. that Gabriel would be as high up no. as what he is he's a couple of man of matches though as yeah well. he scored a couple of goals as well yeah. um, definitely a wee rogue shout there if somebody wants to whack him in your team uh, Cancelo 70 points that's one of those ones that you go yeah, yeah I, 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 I can mean, understand yeah, that yeah, one um, would have been 72 had he not have been sent off yeah. idiot <laughs> <laughs> um, our top scoring uh, midfielder so far Top scoring midfielder in the Premier League is Miguel Almiron with 93. Of course, anybody who listens to Richie's pick knows. If you had listened to Richie. <laughs> I listened to Richie and it helped me very much. <laughs> you would have got your points. <laughs> um, our second uh, highest scoring midfielder, another one that I have personally in my team, is Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. He is 90 points. Him and the Haaland connection has really paid off for me a very few times this season. Apart from this week. Apart from this week, obviously. Um, Mohamed Salah, 82 points. I think that's quite shocking. Yeah, I, I did I, not expect that. I was 
surprised at that. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have thought that Salah would be sitting on 82 yeah. points. Like, I'm going to be completely honest. I thought Rashford was probably going to be third. Like, yeah. Rashford or Martinelli. I thought it would be one of those yeah. two. Yeah. Or Trossard. I thought Odegaard would have been up there. Or, yeah, or, or, or Odegaard or Saka. Yeah, I didn't expect didn't it expect to, be to be Salah. Salah. Um, and then our, our top scoring, um, our top point scoring forwards then. We have, obviously, Haaland on 123. Top point scorer so far this season. Uh, we have Kane on 102. Again, that's my front two at the minute in fantasy. They're scoring me plenty of points this season. And the one behind them then is Ivan Tony on 83 points. Brilliant. Again, I think though if Mitrovic had managed to keep himself a bit more fitter and yeah. available, I think they would be up with one another. Um, but there you go. There's your, your top scoring fantasy players. Brilliant. Um, and quickly, we're going to talk about our team of the season so far. So we're going to start with our guest host, Oh, McArdle, could you run us through your team of the season so far? Uh, fair enough. Well, in my team of the season, I've put Allison in there. He doesn't actually have the clean sheet stats. Pope has the most clean sheets in the league. But I think just on the eye test, Allison's made some fantastic saves. Mm-hmm. Seen it yesterday against Southampton. Like, no Liverpool won 3 1, but Allison still made two or three world class saves to keep that game, Liverpool in the lead in that game. Um, obviously, I want Trippier right back. Uh, like I think that's pretty obvious self-explanatory you have Trippier out there he's been the best uh, right back in the league yeah. even, even from the fantasy perspective mm-hmm. um, I went Saliba centre back I think he's been the best young player in the in the league at the minute if I was to give out my young player of the year award it'd be going to Saliba yep. I went used to be happy with this Lissandro Martinez in centre back yeah, yeah, yeah. Sven <laughs> Batman had a shout I was thinking about him but I went Mar- Martinez I went Cancelo left back because obvious reasons it's Cancelo like yeah um, midfield three I went Bruno Gomares yeah. yeah. I went Miguel Almiron yeah. and I went Kevin De Bruyne mm-hmm. I think all three of them are pretty self-explanatory mm-hmm. I think Bantacor has put himself in a bit of shout yeah, the last couple of weeks enough enough he has, yeah. and my front three I've went Saka on the right Erling Haaland up top and Martinelli on the left wow and who would be your honourable mention well honourable mention Sven Batman uh Bantacor, as I mentioned, Nick Pope not getting in there in mm-hmm. goals. So who would be your one? Which of them three? Nick Pope. Nick Pope. Nick Pope. Yeah. Richie, do you want to walk through your team yeah. of the season so far? Yeah, I've gone just a little bit different. Um, I'm going with Pickford in that. I think, honestly, his stats would suggest that he is performing... Uh, a, a, a level that we just didn't expect to see far beyond from Everton's level, far beyond Everton's well. level. Mm-hmm. I think obviously because Everton are lower in the table it's harder to sort of justify yeah, him, yeah. him being in there but honestly his stats this season have been nothing short of ridiculous um, right back it's hard to look past Trippier obviously but I want to give a, an honourable shout to Diogo Dallo I think Dallo is just behind Trippier at the he, minute. Has, he has played well um, Ben White deserves a shout at right back as well as well yeah again just I think right backs have been good this year yeah, in the league hope. generally. Um, two centre backs again, and the exact same as Owen Saliba Martinez. I think if that was a real life partnership, wow, <laughs> you wouldn't concede any goals. <laughs> um, left back same as Owen again. Cancelo, he's Cancelo. I'm yeah. not going to look past him. Um, my three in midfield, I've gone De Bruyne. Obviously, it's obviously self-explanatory. Um, I've gone Bruno Gimaraes as well, uh, but I've gone James Madison um, in yeah. centre midfield. I think Madison's just been f- phenomenal this season, and you know, really deserved the England call up. And yeah. I-, I think he he's gonna maybe get a big move this summer. Um, on the right wing, I've actually played Almiron on the right wing. Um, I I know he's classed as a midfielder, but I couldn't not 
get him in this mm-hmm. side somehow. So I've got Almiron on the left. My striker's Haaland, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, my left winger, I've gone Leandro Trossard. Self-explanatory as Again, well. I think Trossard's just been fantastic this year. And if I had to give an honourable mention, it's just unfortunate that Haaland's so good, but my honourable mention would be Harry Kane. Yeah. yeah. Um, my team this season so far isn't much difference. It's, it's, most, it's, a, it's a mixture of both years, to be fair. So I've got Pope and Nets, most clean sheets. Self-explanatory. Trippier, Martinez, Saliba. And I went Dallow. So I was thinking more of just as defenders rather than position-wise. Yes, yeah. So I went Dallow... In the left-back position, not as a left-back, but just I think he's been phenomenal this season and probably our most improved player this season. Um, see, exact same midfield as Owen. I've went to Bruyne, Almiron and Bruno Gamares. And then my forward line is Madison, Holland, and Harry Kane. With my honourable mention being Roberto Firmino. Yeah, Firmino's been excellent this Shocker season. that he's Brazil aren't taking him. Yeah, yeah. shocked that. He's been fantastic. Doesn't make sense. Fantastic. Um, so, will we move on to Odie's opinion, the final segment of the podcast? So, my opinion this week, guys, I want your impact, your input, sorry. I do not think that Gary O'Neill should be sacked to make way for Marcelo Bielsa at Bournemouth. Owen, well, what do you think? Well, he's got Bournemouth ticking, hasn't he? He has. Beating Everton twice in a week, scoring seven goals in the process. He's not showing any reason. That he shouldn't be there. I know he's only there as the interim basis, mm-hmm. but sometimes, especially in sport, if you're given an opportunity, you have to take it. And he's grasping it with both hands. He's done nothing wrong since he's been in there. Yeah. Well, Bournemouth have 13 points since Parker's been sacked. Um, they're sitting 14th in the league, three points above the relegation zone, and they're playing good football, as as we said earlier. Um, O'Neill seems to be getting the best out of. Players like Kiefer Murr, who's got four goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Billing as well with four goals. And their big money signing, Marcus Tavenier, starting to perform as well. He's got two goals and four assists. Um, but this US businessman that's taking them over, Bill Foley, he wants Bielsa, apparently. Um, I think O'Neill should be given until the end of the season. Uh, at least. Yeah. Because Bielsa, in his last 13 league games with Leeds, he only had eight points. And that was... 16 goals scored, but 42 goals conceded. Connor, that look of shock on your face. 42 goals? 42 goals conceded. Wow. Yeah, in 13 games. Wow. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, I knew Bielsa was a bit expansive with his football, but 42 shipping, 42 yeah. goals. <laughs> That's mad. Yeah. Um, look, Bielsa, he has pedigree. There's no doubt about that. Um, and he is one of those managers that the neutral loves to watch but I would say in those last days at Leeds I think the Leeds fans would have been pulling their hair out um, looking for the change you know and Jesse Marsh had to come in and then really pull them out of a hole I worry about an appointment like Bielsa at a team like Bournemouth there's not a lot of money available Mm. I think Gary O'Neill is doing a better job than most people would have given him credit for um, and maybe most people would have predicted I'd say most people would have predicted that Bournemouth would have went and got themselves a manager by mm-hmm. now um, but the fact that they're holding off tells me that maybe they're putting a bit of trust yeah. in O'Neill a bit mm-hmm. of faith in him again look yes he's only three points above the relegation zone but they play really good football and I, I, I have no worries about Bournemouth to mm-hmm. be honest mm-hmm. I don't look at Bournemouth and I don't say yeah, they'll yeah. be relegation scrapping this year. Yeah. Like I, I think they're a really good side. They play some lovely football. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't think the fans would want 
O'Neill sacked either. Yep. The only thing I will add is if you are going to make a managerial change, now's the time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, with this break. You have a month to bring a new manager yeah. in yeah. and get, get him get him with playing his way. Yes. And a club like Bournemouth, uh, I know Keith Moore is going to the World Cup, yeah. but there wouldn't be too much more from Bournemouth going. Mm-hmm. So he'll have his full basically his full squad yeah. to work with for a month uh before the season the season restarts. Yeah. So it nearly is like a new season starting. Yeah. This is the time if you have to make changes to make changes and get them yeah in. no I agree I also just one more point on Bielsa um, something I always find quite strange about him is he doesn't speak any English that's true um, and I, sometimes I find with managers that can be a little bit of a hindrance mm-hmm. um, and I just don't feel I, I just feel Bournemouth will be fine under O'Neill and yeah. I just don't think they need to make that management mm-hmm. change at least until the end of the season yeah yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it. Uh, Gary O'Neill shouldn't be sacked to make way for Bielsa at Bournemouth, and I think we're all in agreement at the moment. Um, so, Connor. Yeah, l- once again, look, guys, thanks very much for listening um, to episode three. We have some very, very exciting news this week. Yep. Um, we are recording two podcasts this week. Mm-hmm. We have today's episode, which will be out on on Wednesday. You'll already be listening to the, and listening to this. I don't know why I'm saying <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> but we have a second episode that will be out on Friday. Friday. Yeah. Massive episode. We are doing a mega bonanza World Cup breakdown. It, the, this episode will be slightly longer. Our yeah. World Cup episode, um, and we are going to be going through the groups, bringing you all the action from the World Cup. Uh, going to be talking about some of the star players, some of the managers that we think that are going to push their sides the on. Predictions, dark horses. Predictions, dark horses, all that good stuff. Top scorers, who's going to have good tournaments, who's mm-hmm. going to be our, our wonder kid that's going to break out um, in, in, and make this World Cup their own. Spoiler, it's Jude Bellingham. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, look out for that one. That's going to be out on Friday. That episode's going to be probably around two hours long, I would say. Um, it's going to be a, a bit of Fair a longer <laughs> bit of a longer episode but look it's all in anticipation for the World Cup yes. everybody's excited football is going to be in our university house every single day yep. over yep. the World Cup which I am absolutely buzzing for listen Owen thank you so much for coming know, on thank you Owen we brilliant. hope you enjoyed it thanks for having me lads no, absolute pleasure absolute pleasure so listen we will see you hopefully on Friday then for the second episode and we'll see you on Spotify and once again yeah, finally. see you on Spotify and Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, everybody.